0: biological adoptive uh, step if you are a spiritual mom just stand up if you would we want to pray for you go ahead Jannie that's you too come on all right no 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 stay standing okay you're not getting out of it that easy I'm gonna pray for you would you extend a hand towards a mom preferably if one belongs to you, to that one. <laughs> Father God, we are reminded that though this day is cultural in emphasis, it is biblical in mandate. And so we honor our mothers, we honor our parents. And God, we are grateful that you have used them to bring us into this world. Lord, we recognize that our culture diminishes their value, wars against. Um, and de-emphasizes the significance of what it is that they have done and what it is that they do. And we as a community stand as a counterculture, recognizing, God, your best work is the transmission of faith and love and Abba from one generation to the next. And so, God, we are grateful. We ask for courage and faith and grace. For the moms that are here, Lord, we recognize that for some, this is a hard day. Whether there's estranged relationships whether um, our moms uh, have passed on, whether this is just a painful, painful thing. God, we just pray for grace and comfort in this place. Lord, we thank you and we bless your name for these women and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat now, ladies. Uh, and uh, because I have the microphone, I have, there are certain powers that, that I, I, and privileges that I possess, one of those is to publicly honor my own sweetie. And, um, and so you're just, I know all of you would want to do that, but you need to know my wife uh, did not have a great relationship with her mom, it has improved dramatically, but what my wife has had to overcome to be the mom that she is today is absolutely remarkable. And uh, she has this phenomenal relationship with uh, our, our Nathan and our Hannah, but she has the most unique and profound relationship I've ever seen between a, a mother and her child with our little boy, Seth, who all you, most of you know. And what they are together is just a picture of God's love for his people. It is absolutely amazing. So, Justina, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. You really are. Points. Points for Mike. (laughs) All right, now, some of you got a letter this week that was awesome. Not so much. We'll talk about that later. We're going to dive into God's Word first. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. If you don't know what the letter is referring to, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it right at the end of the service. Uh, Exodus chapter 20. I want to talk a little bit this morning, because I'm, I'm assuming that everyone here has a mom, correct? I mean, even Jesus had a mom. I mean, so there, I, I, think, I, think there's like the, I think we could say beyond all assurance that we've all got or had moms. And, and I want to talk about what it means when the scripture says to honor your mother and your father. What does it mean, and what does it not mean? So, Exodus chapter 20. We'll start in verse 12. If you need a Bible, go ahead and let one of our ushers know. Otherwise, we'll put the scriptures up on the screen. These are the Ten Commandments. And, uh, and if you remember, they were not framed in terms of, hey, here are things that you have to do to get God's approval. Rather, they were given to people already redeemed and rescued as an expression of something called a covenant, which was this binding sort of love agreement between God and his people. Chapter 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, the word honor means to give weight. In the ancient Near East, one of the ways that you would assess value is that you would weigh things. And so sometimes you'll even read it in the scriptures, you know, bring this offering and it must weigh this according to the sanctuary shekel. And, you know, you just go, okay, I don't even know what that means. But to give something weight means to assign it its proper value, to give it its proper esteem. And so one of the most important commands that's given in the scriptures, it qualifies as kind of God's top ten, is the, is the commandment to give mom and dad their proper weight. And notice the commandment is given without any talk of whether or not they were honorable, right? It's just honor your mother and your father so that it might go well with you. Now, there were lots of reasons why the honoring of parents was so critical. I mean, first and foremost... The family was instituted by God, God's idea, and one of the purposes of the family was the transmission of faith from one generation to the next. Deuteronomy 4 through 6 talks to parents teaching their children the commands and the regulations, the feasts, the festivals, to their children. This wasn't the church's job, the, the church didn't exist of course, it wasn't the synagogue's job, it was the family's job. And so honoring your mother and father was part of what it meant to honor the God who instituted mothering and fathering. It was also the place where you would learn submission to an authority that's bigger than you. Right? I mean, it, it was the place where you would learn that you didn't get to call all the shots. And hopefully when you were old enough, that then translated to other authorities that God had ordained. And so very early in the story, God says, honor your father and your mother. Now, the, the fascinating part of this is that moms were included in this command. Because in the ancient Near East, even in the first century when Jesus was walking around... It was a very patriarchal culture. And and literally, the family was the central unit of society, but the father was the most important figure of the family unit. The father had the power of life and death. The father had the power to reject a child born into the family. Even if the father's children were adults, the father still had authority over them. If the father switched religious beliefs, the whole household did. So literally, when in the book of Acts, when it talks about so-and-so believed and so did his whole household, well, that's why. Because the father, the bloodline of the father was the most important identity marker of children. They didn't have social security cards. They didn't have passports. You didn't have your own unique thumbprint. At least no one cared back then. What what it was was the bloodline of your father. And so the interesting thing is that mothers were included in this command in a highly patriarchal society. Now, I want to talk about this patriarchy for a moment. And moms, you'll be wondering, okay, so what's this have to do with moms? Just hang on. But in a patriarchal society where the dad, where the father was the most important figure... To be children of the Father meant four things. First, your job as a child was to bring glory and honor to the family name, to the Father's name. Secondly, your job was to expand the lineage, the family line, by having other children. Thirdly, you were to do the Father's will. I mean, at the end of the day, the father was the ultimate authority. You did not get to call your own shots. And lastly, and most importantly, in that kind of society, your ultimate allegiance was to the father. The father-child bond was more important than any other bond. This was the most important thing in, in ancient Near Eastern society. Now, Jesus shows up. And he honors his mother and father, but he starts doing something alongside of that. Go if you would to the book of John, chapter 1. John chapter 1. Hi, everybody. Hi. All right. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all, and this is John writing about Jesus, yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Children born not of natural descent. You see what a big deal that would be. Nor of a husband, or excuse me, a human decision, nor a husband's will. Like, that's a really big deal. So now, all of a sudden, the most important thing about you isn't what your husband did or what your your lineage was, but it was your individual relationship to this God. And notice, I mean, in in the New Testament, this isn't a metaphor. It's not like it's saying, hey, guys, we're like God's children. No, no, no. There's something that happens so that you literally become God's children. Flip over to the next page, John chapter 3. Jesus gets in this interesting conversation with a man who is a religious leader. And Jesus says, John 3, verse 3, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God, which is the rule of God, the reign of God, the governance of God. No one can see that unless they are born again. Or a better translation is born from above. Now, Jesus is speaking to a man who, in virtue of his Jewish lineage, knew that he was part of God's chosen people. So, all of a sudden, Jesus is saying to somebody born into God's chosen people, you have to be born again. And that's why Nicodemus, this guy, says, "Um, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born, right? And all the moms said, thankfully... No. Jesus said, No, 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 let me tell you. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to more flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. In other words, what Jesus is saying is he's drawing a parallel between human birth. When you're born into your family, you share characteristics with your parents. Would you agree? There's DNA, there's the, the, your genetics, uh, the, some personality, I mean, who knows? But you know, isn't it interesting, as parents, you start tracing things that you see in your kids, not only to you, but to your parents, right? So there's something where flesh, physical birth, gives birth to more flesh. But what Jesus is saying is if you want to taste and enter God's kingdom, there's a, another birth, a spiritual birth. So he uses the image of birth, And he uses the image of we become God's children to convey the fact that God now isn't just some abstract deity, but God is actually now our father. Go if you would to the book of Romans. Whoops. Romans chapter 8. And all the mothers are saying, hey, this is a lot of great talk about fathers. Romans chapter 8. You've got your wrap. You what else do you want? Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received, this Holy Spirit, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership. And by that spirit, we cry to God, not God in the abstract sense, but we cry now, Abba, Father. Abba, many of you know, is an Aramaic term that's, that's daddy. That's in, it's an endearing, intimate term. Remember, in the Old Testament, God gives Moses his name, Yahweh. And that name was mysterious and transcendent and epic and holy and distant. And now here comes Jesus. And he speaks to God not as epic, holy, and distant, although he is all of those things. But he calls him Abba. And I've been at the pool in Woodbridge and and heard little Hebrew boys saying to their dads, Abba, Abba, Abba. In the same way we'd say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. So this was quite a shock to Jesus' contemporaries that he would have such close, intimate language. With God. And so the picture that is given is that yes, we have physical parents, but what Jesus has come to do is to reshape that whole patriarchal system and now apply it to Abba, our heavenly father, which has really important implications, right? Because if the, the children of human fathers have certain responsibilities. The children of heavenly fathers have similar responsibilities to do the Father's will, to bring glory to the Father's name, to expand the Father's influence and propagate children. I mean, and isn't that what Jesus prays in, this, in, the, in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in the heavens, may your name be honored May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And isn't that what Jesus does when he commissions us to go make more disciples? So so what happens is is that Jesus takes this patriarchal system and he applies it now to Abba. And the most scandalous thing Jesus does is he argues that your ultimate allegiance now is no longer to your biological parents. It is to your Abba, Father. And Jesus gets in trouble. Mondo, go ahead and fire up the PowerPoint. Oh, this is the telestrator. Thank you very much. I don't know what I was thinking. Jesus says, do not suppose I've come to bring peace. I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, can you see how, I mean, absolutely offensive this would be? It's not just that Jesus was taking patriarchy and applying it to Abba, but now he was saying, if there was a conflict between your following Abba and your following your biological parents, you follow Abba. And that this followership of the Father will actually divide families. He says the same thing in Luke. From now there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two and two against three, they will be divided. And he lists the same different kind of estranged relationships that were possible. And then Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother... Whoa, there it is. His wife and his children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Happy Mother's Day. Now, the word hate, just so we're clear, doesn't it's a Semitic idiom that has to do with choosing one thing over another. That's all that means. It, Jesus isn't saying, hey, the way to honor your mother and father today is to hate them passionately. Not saying that at all. But what he's saying, and this is so key, you guys, is he takes our biology, our father and our mother, and he says, that gets transferred to Abba. So instead of caring more about the father's will, your earthly father's will, care about your heavenly father's will. And instead of your ultimate allegiance being to your earthly biology, your ultimate allegiance is now to your heavenly father. And if ever there's a conflict between the two, your ultimate followership is Abba. And this was what was so scandalous about Jesus, was he took this patriarchal system and he not only only subverted it and applied it to Abba, but then he argued, listen, if following your family gets in the way of following me, your spiritual family is more important than your biological one. And in a culture where the biological family was the most important thing, this was totally scandalous. But then notice how this gets worked out. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. This will all land in a very happy place. Fear not. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Paul's writing to a church. Verse 1, children, and how many children are here? Okay, that'd be all of us, just in case we were, the whole everyone's got a mom thing. Honor, excuse me, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes Exodus 20, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. The promise is so that it might go well with you on the earth, and that you may enjoy long life. On the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So here's how this plays out. Londo fired up. You've got honor your father and mother. But what had happened was lineage was thought to be the most important thing. Simply because you were born Jewish, you didn't have to do anything else. So what Jesus does is he tears this down and says, no, 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 no. You have to be born into a new family. And your identity in that family is more important than your identity anywhere else. Your allegiance is to that father. You're to do his will and you're to bear the burden of making his name great. But then what is followership of Abba look like? Honor your mother and father. Do you see how it works? No, no, I need, I need like more than silence on that. On that. <laughs> this is the really important part. You have to understand your primary identity is no longer biological. It is a spiritual. And as part of your followership of Abba, you honor your mother and your father. That... Now listen, here's why that becomes so critical. Because what do you do in trying to honor parents that aren't perfect? And last time I checked, Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, applied to all of our parents, too, and us, of course. And so so the question becomes, and I get this all the time, how do you honor parents who aren't honorable? And that's where this ABBA conversation becomes critical. Now, Mondo, that's right, going back. Keep them guessing up there. I want to distinguish between the position of mother and father and the reality of their mothering and their fathering of you. In other words, I want to, like, you take the president, the office of the president of the United States. Is the office of the president... Worthy of honor, regardless of who holds the office. Absolutely. Absolutely. You may be a huge fan, or you may be absolutely opposed to the person. So there's a distinction between the position of president and the reality of president. Are you with me? In a similar way, there's a distinction between the position of mother and father And the reality of their mothering and fathering of you. And what the scripture says to us is that the position of mother and father. Make sure you give that its proper honor. Make sure you give that its proper weight. How do you do that? Well, first of all, and this is kind of the no-duh statement of the morning. However flawed your parents were, God did one really good thing through them, and that was you, right? I mean, no matter how it is, and and I realize I'm talking to a whole bunch of people who have great relationships. I I don't, I know that, but I also know there are folks that haven't had great relationships. How do you honor the position? Well, number one, be grateful even if they weren't perfect or far from it, if there wasn't them, there wouldn't be you. And so minimally, we acknowledge that God used them to bring you here, right? But I think there's another way, and this, brothers and sisters, is the point of this morning. Mondo, back to the thing. The way that you honor the position is by forgiving the reality. In other words, and you can only do this, men and women, if you have shifted your ultimate allegiance and value and identity to Abba Father. If you have done that, then the command to honor them includes the forgiveness for however it was they were imperfect. Do you understand that? If you try to skip, Mondo, put the thing back. (laughs) See, if you try to go straight from my mother and father to forgiving my mother and father without getting your needs met by Abba first, you won't truly be able to release the obligation you will continually place on them to be perfect. You were made to have perfect parents, you understand that? You needed that. None of us got that. Those of us who have great relationships, today would you celebrate those because they are becoming increasingly rare. But those of us who did not, We have to release our parents from the obligation to meet needs that only God can now meet. If we are fundamentally children of Abba, and that's our identity, and that's our significance, and that's our purpose and our value, then I can go to my biological parents and release the obligation to meet all those needs in me and I can forgive them. No matter how great your parents were or are, there are still little wounds we accumulate. And as you become a parent yourself, guess what happens? If you don't deal with what you've been handed, guess what you do? Hand it right along, right? And that's called generational sin. My mom married into a a family where I can trace generational sin specifically through four generations. I mean, it is devastating. Because we're followers of Abba, now we deal in truth. We don't have to pretend that honoring means it was great. If it wasn't great. If it was great, you need to brag big time. But if it wasn't great, we don't have to pretend Because we deal now with Abba as our father and our mother. Mother imagery is used of Abba, too. And if you begin to get reframed, are you with me on all this stuff? Like, this is a really big deal. No, I mean it. Why, Why is it that so many of us struggle with being good parents to our kids? Well, because so many of us didn't have great parents. And so there's this dysfunction, there's this sin, there's this almost generational curse that just gets passed down unless there are people who ruthlessly understand the great and furious love of God for them. And then as we get restored, as we understand our forgiveness, we release our parents from having to be perfect, And the scary thing is, our kids will have to do that with us someday, right? I mean, I don't like the fact that I know I'm screwing them up. I just don't know how, (laughs) right? I mean, I know it. Don't you? I mean, don't you feel this? And you go, I'm doing the best I can, You know, but but I find myself overcompensating for some of the things my parents did. I mean, I just, uh, and and it's so crippling. And so there is good news for us as kids today. All of us are children. Good news. Honor your father and mother because it will go well with you if you do. How do we do that? If you've got a great story, you celebrate it and you give God glory and you give them their proper esteem if you don't have a great story you are thankful nevertheless finding your security in abba you release your parents from having to be perfect any longer one last passage go if you would to 1st timothy oh this is good stuff man this is good stuff 1st timothy So, if we have all been born from above, and if we share a common Abba, what does that make us? Brothers and sisters, and I say that, and I always feel like, (laughs) I always feel like we should have a narthex and like a potluck when I say brothers and sisters, because it feels so old-fashioned church, but I say that because the Bible says it so much. Because I literally have to believe, well, it's not metaphor, that you are brothers and sisters. Notice what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 5. Notice what Paul writes to a young pastor. And I try to embody this. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your. Treat younger men as, older women as, and younger women as, with absolute purity. So evidently, one of the things that happens when you are released from a broken family and brought into a family of faith is that you now have a much larger and much healthier family. That you literally have brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers all around you. And as a dad who wants to do good by my kids... It's nice to know I've got help. See, the healthiest kind of church re our children. Reparents us in some cases. Do you know how many spiritual dads I have? I've got loads of spiritual dads. You know spiritual moms I have? I have loads of spiritual moms. And coming from a broken home, do you know what I realized? I've been looking my whole life for a family. At every step of my journey, God would place me in families that were healthy. He was reparenting me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we speak to us this morning, all of us as children, right? Whether your mothers are alive or not, whether you have great relationships or not, we're called to honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah but I want to also speak to us as parents or prospective parents. If we don't deal honestly with this area of life, we just pass it along. And you might be here and you're like me, you're like, I know I'm screwing them up, I just don't know how. Or maybe I do know exactly how. There is so much grace. Abba stands ready to be with you. He loves your kids more than you do. That always staggers me. I always feel like I'm begging God, you know, to take care of my kids. And I think God's begging me to take care of my kids the way he does. You know what I mean? And so there's so much grace in this place. You've got help, brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers, to carry the load but the most important thing this morning for us, men and women, is have we really found our place in Abba's family? I, I don't mean intellectually like, yeah, I've got my ticket to heaven, I'm good. I mean deeply. Do you see that your biology isn't the most important thing about you? Do you begin to see that other disciples of Jesus, whether they're here or in Africa, are brothers and sisters? Do you have spiritual Fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. We want to be put back together in ways so that as we either parent the kids we have now or the kids that we might have someday, we're not passing this on. But what we're passing on instead is a story of how Abba redeemed us. Amen? So uh, would you close your eyes for a moment? For just a moment, think about your own childness. You could be a grandmother, but think about what it was for you to be brought up. Are there any places where you fully not, not let Abba meet deep needs? Maybe there are places you've just never invited him into. Maybe you have memories that are just horribly painful. What would it be like to just invite Abba Father to be present in those and to seek to trace his faithfulness to you from that day till now? Invite Abba to come in and to heal you. So, Lord Jesus, we recognize your work includes not only the forgiveness that we are so, so thankful for, but also includes adoption. And so, Lord, many of us walk around um, hurting and broken. And would would your spirit come... And testify with our spirit that we're indeed children of God. And that out of that overflow, we might have courage and grace to forgive as we've been forgiven. To bless as we've been blessed. To comfort as we've been comforted. And that we might break the generational sins that infect our families. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and to minister. We know there are people here who would love to give birth but are unable to. Who would love to be married but are not. Who are estranged from family. And we just ask in these moments for your grace and your comfort. To see you and to see this community differently. And so Jesus, we love you and we bless you. Amen. Amen.